This is iFanboy Media Explode, episode 12. The movies? Welcome to my fanboy media split. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hi. And Ron Richards. Hello. How you doing, friends? We are iFanboy, and we are here for our media split, which is unlocked by the patrons over at patreon.com slash iFanboy. This is the monthly show in which we talk about non-comic book media that we've been enjoying from the last month. It is an offshoot of our year-end show, The All Media Spectacular. This is the 12th episode. We're still going. It's one year in. It's exciting. Thanks to the patrons. We enjoy doing this show. It has become something I personally look forward to. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun. So we normally start with what we've been enjoying for the last month, things we've been watching or listening to or whatever we do in our prison cells at home. And I'll start. I don't normally start. I'll start this one. I've been doing a show that I think Ron would really love. Yep. And it's on CNN. Oh, I've, I've recorded it, and I have not started watching it yet. You know what I'm talking about. Stanley Tucci searching for Italy. Yes, it is on the list. It is actually probably the next thing I'm going to watch after the show I'm going to talk about. There's a hole in the culture that Anthony Bourdain left us, very sadly, which is the celebrity travelogue show, right? And there's a bunch of them now that, that people yep. are trying to do. I've really been enjoying the Stanley Tucci one on CNN. It's on Sunday nights. He's going through each region of Italy with each episode. So the first episode is Rome. You know, there's one in the Tuscany region, and there's one around Milan. This week's episode is going to be about Sicily. And he goes and explores the food and a little bit of the culture. You know, it's one of those shows. First of all, Ron, don't not have pasta at hand when you're watching it. You have to. Oh, awesome. Make those plans, because you have to have it. All right. He meets people there. He talks about the region. He talks about how food developed in that region, why the food in Milan is different than the food in Rome, why the food in Rome is different than the food in Sicily. So you get into a bit of the culture. You get a bit of the people. But it's mostly about the food, and Tucci is very charming. He has great suits, and he is a foodie, so he's well-versed in, in how to make these things. He cooks himself. You know, no one has Anthony Bourdain's knowledge, so most of his reactions are, wow, this is amazing food. But he can really get people to open up because he's a celebrity about what they do and why they do it. And it's a really interesting look at Italy and the food culture there and how things came to be, why people have pasta, where pasta came from, why toma- how uh. tomatoes got to Italy. Tomatoes came from Spain. They weren't in Italy at all. It's been a wonderful little charming show. I watch it as a lark, and every week I'm looking forward to it. Ooh, it's Sunday night. I can watch Stanley Tucci's in Italy. It's just been a lot of fun, and I, I think it's a really great little travelogue for Italy. It, it's a great celebration of Italy. The people there that he meets are really fun. It makes you really want to go to Italy. It's just a celebration of the culture. Which, you know, Italian food is... Is the best. It, it's terrific. It's up there. You know, in the first episode of Rome, you know, they, we meet a Japanese chef who's coming. He makes some of the best carbonara in all of Rome, and he shows you how he does, he does that. And it's just, it's a great look at how the Italian cuisine has influenced the entire world. Yeah, I couldn't recommend it more to anyone who's interested in food or travel or culture or other places, and especially Ron. Again, make sure you've got pasta on hand. Well, yeah, I, I've got, I've, I, I have. Eat pasta while watching it is my best recommendation. 
I made an Italy off order a couple of weeks ago, and I've got some uh, nice uh, gargano pasta. You know, like that's I got Vesuvios, which are little like little uh, spirals that look like a little volcano. Because mm-hmm. I thought the kids would like. It's that. already Buco's place. Yeah, it is. It's funny though because our mutual friend Ben Simpson is the one yep. who turned me on uh, to the show. Yeah, he had posted about it. I think before it started. I think he saw it before it, it came out or whatever. And I was like, ooh. And so I set the DVR to record it, and I just haven't had time to start watching it yet. And once I finish the show we're currently watching, then the plan is to go right into that. And I imagine it's going to make me want to eat lots of pasta. It, it will. And the thing is about Tushi, I mean, he, he lives in London, so he's a, he's basically kind of a European at this point. He spends a lot yeah. of time in Italy. He lived in Italy as a, as a young kid. His, his father uh, was a teacher and did a year sabbatical learning art in Florence, so he lived in Florence for a year. So he has a lot of experience with the culture and the language. And so he feels very much at home. So you get a very sense of it's not a total outsider coming in. He feels like he's part of the culture a little bit. And he's also super charming and funny. And I don't know how he's so fit when he eats all that pasta. And, and He was so mean to Tom Hanks in the terminal, though. <laughs> <laughs> he really was. But he's so great. And he has great suits. I've been enjoying it on every level. It's been one of my favorite things. You know, I've been, I've been watching a lot of things recently, but... That's one of my favorites. Is that's great. And I learned my lesson, Ron. I, the first time I watched it, I didn't have pasta. And the second time, I made sure I made pasta. One time, I had pizza ready. Like I always made sure I had something ready to go for the show because you're gonna not, want nothing more than to have Italian food right. while watching it. You know, the right. carbonara in the first episode is amazing, and then you get the you go to the north, and they don't really make pasta. It's more about risotto, and that's all a whole different story. And then you know, it's 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 just been true. And then there's the whole uh, Parma, you know, the, the ham and the, and the cheese. It's terrific. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I'm salivating now thinking about it. Nice. All right. Well, so my show, I think, is going to be one that, Connor, you're immediately – you. I'll be surprised if you had heard of it, mm-hmm. but I imagine you're immediately going to add it and start watching it. So we've talked in this past year about Mythic Quest, Josh mm-hmm. had suggested, and, and that ended up – Mythic Quest ended up giving us what I thought was one of the best bit of quarantine-themed content with that last quarantine episode. Mm-hmm. And when you think about other people who tried to create content during this past year and the time of COVID and all stuff like that, you know, you get mixed results and that sort of thing. But I recently discovered one that is it's, it's more than a half a year. It, no, it's, it, yeah, it's well more than a half a year old. It was on on the BBC and recently came over to Hulu. But Connor, what if I told you that there was a six episode series starring Michael Sheen and David Tennant? Whoa. I started to watch that. Staged? A while ago. I didn't get very far. Oh, Connor, it is so good. Okay. It's called Staged, and the premise is is that COVID has struck, and right before the pandemic, Michael Sheen and David Tennant were set to star together in a play. Uh-huh. Luigi Pirandello's Six Characters in Search of an Author, and the pandemic has canceled all that. But the director of the play has come up with the idea that they can keep working on the play via Zoom, <laughs> or via you know video conferencing, and then when the pandemic's over, they'll just be ready to go. Right. And so what you get is you get a half an it's a half an hour show that's filmed primarily via video conferencing. Although Tenant has, has filmed some bits in his house, so you can tell he has a camera and like did some stuff by himself. But it stars Michael Sheen, David Tennant, both their wives, and this guy Simon Evans, who who wrote and directed this, who also stars in it. He plays the director of the play, and. You know, we know that Sheen and Tennant are friends yep. and they work they work together in Good Omens. And the first third of the show is just them on Zoom talking to each other and it's hysterical. 
<laughs> it is fantastic. And then, of course, stuff happens and, and drama ensues. And there's actually like several subplots going through this very simple format of a show. And it's fantastic. And I'm delighted because we're one episode away from finishing the first season. And not only did I find out that there was a second season, but the second season is over. And that just got added to Hulu. So as soon as we finish the first season, we're going to go right into the second season. But like, you know, give me, you know, six episodes, half hour episodes of anything with Michael Sheen and David Tennant. And I'm sure. there like, yeah. oh, just it's, it's, it's delightful. They're great actors and they're great together. The banter and the wit and like the it, it, it's very like, oh, it's, it's it's very, very good. Like and the thing is, I know that this is such a niche thing. Like you've got to be a Michael Sheen fan or a David Tennant fan or both of them in order. Like this is why, Josh, I don't think like I'm not surprised it didn't stick with you or you're not interested in it because you don't you're not as into Sheen as we are. But he uh, I just love him. He's so he's so fantastic. I don't I, don't, I like him as an actor. Yeah, I don't you know, this no, is, but like as the cult of Michael Sheen, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I think I started to watch it one day. I was like looking for something to watch and I couldn't find the thing that was right for my mood and I sort of yeah. started running, you know. I, I I thought I'd go back, but it was a little you know cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it was a little I don't know. I, I like to watch them both work a whole lot, but I don't know that I want to hang out with them as people. Oh, they are. I, I could just like, like we, I know. like my wife and I were saying that like once the plot kind of picked up and like there was conflict and stuff like that, we're like, if the show was just a half an hour of them talking on Zoom, we would watch that because it's so fun. Like it's that they're, you could tell their friends and the way they, you know, kind of inter, you know, kind of work off each other and that sort of thing. Uh, just so much fun. So they're both great. quite hairy. Quite yeah. hairy. Well, she yeah. Sheen's really with the hair and the beard has really kind of let himself go. But fun fact about Michael Sheen: tracing his partners, he was with Kate Beckinsale from 1995 to 2003. Oh. Then he was with a woman named Lorraine Stewart from 2004 to 2010. Then he was with Rachel McAdams from 2010 to 2013. Then Sarah Silverman from 2014 to 2018. That's dude's fascinating. I didn't know that. Hmm. He's been in everything. He's very charming. He's the best. I forgot he was on 30 Rock. He's Welsh. Yeah, he is Welsh. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of jokes about that between him his him being Welsh and Tennant being Scottish. There's a lot of that humor, you know. Yeah. It's just delightful. I just I can't recommend it more. And like the thing is like the you know, half hour show where you can easily just watch a, you know, an episode and and not, you know, like in, and we stretched it out over, you know, over the span of like a week and a half, but it's not a huge lift. And it's just it's just a nice little you know the thing is is that you you got to be okay with the fact that it's pandemic theme that's the that's the thing like if you don't want to be reminded of that I, don't I think, watch this but, I think yeah. that's had a lot to do with it like I was like I want to not watch things about the pandemic yeah yeah largely. and and the thing is it's not necessarily about the pandemic just that's the situation they're in um, sure no I get it but, yeah yeah it is interesting because you see shows struggling with that how to deal with it. You know, there are shows that start off like, oh, we're going to deal with the pandemic. It'll be a part of our show. And then they just totally forget about it because it's annoying. Right. Who wants to deal with yes. people, their cast never getting to leave their house or wearing masks. So they stop doing it or they sort of half-heartedly do it. And it just doesn't work. Right. You know, like the Connors did that and This Is Us did that. New Amsterdam, the medical show has done it probably most because it's, it's dealing with medical problems. But like, you know, you almost forget, oh, right, there's a pandemic in this world, but they, they're not dealing with it. No one's wearing masks. And it's almost at this point, it's better just to not deal with it. Just Interesting it side note of that is that one of my favorite things is This American Life. I've been listening to that radio show slash podcast for, oh, like, since I was in college, every, every month. And every single episode has been about the pandemic for a year, and I'm tired of it. Right, like I'm, but there's there's nothing else for them to report. And I can't blame them for that. Yeah, what else are they going to do? Just, yeah. yeah, but it's just like that's that's not what 
what I liked about it was sort of the variety. They talk about all these different things, but it's so all encompassing that that's all it, you know, it's, it's, it's this apocalyptic kind of thing. Like, Oh, that's all we can talk about. Cause it's all you can do. What else are they going to report on? Yeah, right. It, and it's not fiction, so they can't obviously, but it's, it's a different sort of version of that, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. I feel like I haven't been watching any TV shows very much lately. Lindsay and I will just pick a movie. And so what we've been doing is watching every Denzel movie that we can find. <laughs> Didn't we do this earlier? Like in episode two? I don't know. But either way, in the past two weeks, we've done He Got Game, Antoine Fisher. I think we did. I talked about Safe House, which was the first one that we watched last time. Not very good. And then uh, we did Remember the Titans the other night, which oh, wow. I had never seen, which is basically like this weird. It came out after the Friday Night Lights book, but before the TV show and movie. And there's a lot of Coach Taylor in that, but it's Denzel. And it's like an integrated team in the 70s, early 70s. And it, it was like, I could watch this movie forever. It's fantastic. It's been a lot of fun. We, we realize he doesn't do a lot of funny things. He's not super into being funny. And you know, actually, you know where this started? Because I watched The Little Things, which is that movie that came to HBO Max. And it was him and Jared Leto and um, Freddie Mercury, Rami uh, Malek. Rami Malek, yep. And I hated it. It's terrible. And but I had said something to Connor and I, I was like, but Denzel was good. And you were like, yeah, water is wet. What else is new? <laughs> and that had a little bit to do with sort of kickstarting a thing. And so we're going to keep and I watched training day or something like so I've done like nine or ten of them in the last month. I'm sad that in what's the movie the, the train movie. Oh, unstoppable. It's fallen off the HBO rotation. Oh. Well, I could certainly go search for it, but I always like just stumbling on it every day. Sure. And it, for like three months, it was just on the heavy rotation. And I was like, oh. That's cool. I'll just watch for, for 45 minutes or whatever, but now it's off, off the rotation. What's interesting, though, is that Remember the Titans is on Disney+, Plus, and also on Disney+, Plus are a ton of other period inspirational sports movies. And I was like, oh, I could get yeah. lost in this. Yeah. Like It was like, I'm going to watch Miracle. I'm going to watch that one about Dennis Quaid, who becomes a baseball player later. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, I love inspirational sports movies. There's nothing wrong with them. We watched The Hurricanes, another one of those. One of the things that I guess is, is really interesting is that there's a lot of conversation over the past couple of years as we talk about justice and Black Lives Matters and all these things. And I'm not, I'm not meaning to trivialize it. It's just shorthand. This stuff has been in Denzel's movies. I mean, the exact same conversation. And I'm sure, and I know that it existed long before that, but like so many of them were about that. You know, like we mm-hmm. watched... The Hurricane was about that. Yeah, uh, he got game is about that. Antoine Fisher is about that. Like it goes on and on, and it's it's. What's the one he did about healthcare? Oh, Man on Fire. No, no, healthcare, healthcare, not revenge. John Q. John Q. That's John, the one. Yeah. I, I haven't seen either of those. They're on the list. They're yeah. coming. Yeah, I'm reinforcing your point. Yeah, it's racial stuff. There's class stuff. There's all these things that and and it, he's just it's very. I started it once and didn't finish it, and then didn't go back. But I'm going to. He directed Antoine Fisher was not a great movie, but the performances from him and the lead guy who played Antoine Fisher were really good. And he was the guy who, like, oh, we started, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, off the, but he played Booby Miles in Friday Night Lights, mm-hmm. and he's been in a billion movies, and I was like, I never knew that was the same guy. He's a great actor. We were thinking of maybe taking a little hiatus, because... Derek Luke. Yeah, yeah, him. Look at him. His, 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 uh, he's been in a ton of things. He's, he's really great. Friday Night Lights, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, tons of stuff, it, b- b- brilliant in that movie. We might take a little break. What I found is that Tom Hanks' palate cleanser is really nice to sort of loosen things up a little. And then the other day I said to Lindsay, wait, has Denzel ever been in the movie with, and don't answer this, 
has anybody been in a movie with Tom Hanks? And neither of us could think of it. Then like a day later, I go, fucking Philadelphia. Like, oh, shit. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Big miss. Big miss. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So that's the theme. We're going we're gonna to keep going with those. Hmm. Well, that's actually a great segue to our main point of discussion this month. You know, we had the Oscar nominations come out this past week. And a very strange year of movies. Very strange year. They were basically movies for two months in the beginning of the year, and then the rest became all streaming films. So you had a very interesting and eclectic group of nominees, as I think we were all expecting it to happen. Even then, there were were a lot of surprises in the nominations. Important to note that the Oscars usually happen at the end of February, and this year they're happening at the end of April. What I'm not clear is, like, so a requirement has always been that it needs to have run in theaters in some way, shape, or form. Right, there's a certain minimum there. Did they waive that this year? Or they that's had still... to have. Yeah, they had to have. Did they? Then they must have. No, I don't know if they did. Talk about the thing, and I will look into it. Yeah, because that's my thing, is that because, like, to your point, you know, theaters were closed for most of the year, but, you know, but a, a bunch of movies that were nominated did have, like, festival runs and things like that. I'm wondering if they're counting that before the pandemic started, you know. But the festivals were all virtual. I, I, have, I have an answer. Okay, what is it? Times. Only films that had a previously planned theatrical release are still eligible for Oscar consideration. Interesting. So, so they, if, if they had like been a plan. officially planned, you know, like that was the thing that was going to happen, but it didn't. Got it. Then it counts. Okay. It, yeah, they had to make that change because there was just no way. Even the, the festivals weren't even in person. They were online. So they, yeah, they yeah. had to have made that change. The Oscars are in a very interesting place in time. And I think this year is an anomaly year. Obviously, because of the world. It may be, again, next year is another anomaly. Who knows how this thing plays out, this thing being the pandemic. We're pretty far into this year. We're only getting into the cycle of vaccinations, so we don't know how what's going to happen. I would not be surprised. Look, I would not be surprised if this is exactly the same next year. But you have what I like to call... So this year we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight films, but none of your best picture. Eh, they're basically eight moonlights. Super indie. I don't know about that. I don't know. No, For the most no, part, that's not that's not accurate. That is not accurate. None of these films are blockbusters. If they come out in theaters, no. None well, of these yeah, films well, are well, making well, any money. These are all super low budget prestige picture nominees. All of them. The only one that's no, not is so. basically the Charles. I, I also Chicago don't 7. agree with that either. I, which one is this a blockbuster? Not that is not. No, I agree that's with what you. I that's said. A blo- they're I agree not blockbusters. That's a blockbuster, they're, they're but the type of movie budget. that you're describing in terms of like a prestige or or a, a low, but like Trial of Chicago Seven is a standard historical. Like that's the only like one that's on the borderline of not being. The rest of them are all low budget. And, and even that doesn't fill yeah. the seats. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm not saying it fills the theaters or not, but yeah, but no, no, but I, I, I mean, I do agree with you that it is not the normal type of film, you know, you, you know, like, and because blockbusters also don't often get nominated for best picture. Yeah, but you, all, the point is, these are all at one end of the spectrum. Yeah. All right. Knocking, I'm knocking the quality of them. These are representatives from corners of the spectrum. They're not all from the same corner of the spectrum. I would disagree. Mank is very much the Hollywood talking about itself, you know, kind of Hollywood history, like that sort of thing. Checks it checks that box off. I don't know. I just I I, I know the. These point are all making, low, but... super low budget prestige pictures. They're great. Those are often my favorite. Thematically, films, but... not the same. No, thematically, thematically they're not the same. same. I'm talking about the, the... Type, or the same type of films. Like that's what you know. Like I feel like Moonlight is a much different film than Mank or Judas and the Black Messiah that's or not the point. He's talking about the marketing. That's not what I'm yeah, talking about. I'm talking about the size yeah. of the picture and the fact that most people aren't going to see these films. Right. You know, these are very small budget, low budget yeah. prestige films. Yeah. Which are great and often win a lot of awards. A lot of auteur director yeah. kind of auteur things. Auteur directors. Going on here. You know what? 
It's not a studio picture in there. That's what you're saying. Basically. There's not a studio picture in there. And the thing that I'm th- I'm saying is, you look at this list, and it's very. I think it's very representative of the past year of, of film. And in the pandemic, you've had a time where film has been really subsumed by TV, even more so than in the past. And as we discussed amongst ourselves a couple of weeks ago, you know, on a Friday night, I was like, "Let's watch a film. Let's watch one of these big films that are being touted as you know Oscar bait. Let's go through the list." And every single one of them seemed like a downer, and we ended up watching a TV show. <laughs> we don't want to be bummed out on a Friday night. Let's watch Schitt's Creek. Well, this is the thing, with why we started watching the Denzel movies. Right. You know, a lot of times on a weekend, what we'll do is, if we don't get to go out, we'll still rent like a movie. There isn't a new a new one like a, there's not like a movie you'd want to go see in the theater. Yeah. There's not. Most of these are, are ones that you would probably wait. You know, if you're an adult with kids and you can't go to the movies all the time, when you go to the movies, you're going to want to go to something that really kind of deserves to be on a really big screen. And most of these are not that kind of thing that you'd be like, oh, I have to get to the theater for this. The only one I'd say would be Mank only because of the cinematography. But, Absolutely. Yeah. But that, but even so, well, no, that but, is but, a niche of a niche of a person. On, it it depends on the type of movie you are. You are like Promising Young Woman is 100% a movie I would have gone to see in the theaters. Okay. Like, you know, That's like a, Sound of Metal, probably the same the same 90%. thing. 90%. Yeah, we 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 are also different. We we normally the three of us would normally go see these films in theaters, but I think most people don't need to yeah. see these movies in theaters. Yeah, well, I will say I will say though that that this year it's like because because part of the what we uh, you know what we I believe what we always do is is try to like I try to see as many of the best pictures as I can, and and each year it's like how many did I actually get to see? Did I see them all or not? And that sort of thing. And when the nominations came out, I was shocked and surprised to see that I'd seen them all except two. Which is much higher than I thought it would have been. You know, than it would have been. I, still I, was, to, I was surprised that I hadn't heard of most of them. I, I, I still need to see Minari, which was on my list before the nomination. Yes, that's the one I'm most out. excited to see. Yeah, and then uh, we, oh, me and my wife, after watching the Golden Globes and seeing the clips from the father, we're like, oh, we're not going to watch that because of that downer point. Yep. But I will say that like Nomadland was a film that I'd heard for a couple of weeks. Of, once it start, once it was available on Hulu, I'm like, oh, I want to watch it. Everyone's talking about it, but like the trailer did does make it seem like a downer. After watching it, it was not a downer at all. Like it was, it, it was a the movie had a much different vibe than what the marketing is showing it to be. Was it um, fun? Uh, it was. I don't know if it was fun. No, it was not like a fun movie. That's a different, you know, like. But it was, um, it was good. It was really good. The more it was like, the more I thought about it after seeing it, the more I really liked it. And I really like. And Francis McDormand is great. And Straythorn's in it. And he's always great. But um, he wasn't doing that accent from the, the Expanse. Thank God. The thing is that like. In a normal everyday year, I would be excited to see all these films. But the yeah. world we're living in, I, I just I'm not excited to see super downer films right now. I need to see well, that, well that's that's kind of fun. That's kind of I need like, to see Triumph for the Human Spirit. And none, what we were talking about the other day, and when we were chatting, was where's the Ted Lasso of movies? Where's the Martian? Where's the film where they all yeah. get together to, to do something great? The where yeah. is it Triumph for the Human Spirit? Like again, normal year. Awesome, but like I, I just can't be bummed out any more than I'm already bummed out right now. Kind of crazy that Tenet didn't get a Best Picture nod. Well, it was very mixed reviews for Tenet. It was very. I, very I understand mixed. that, but at least like it. of everything that I saw, you know, that's the closest that I could. Like, I, we're not here to talk about that movie, but like basically, my take on that was just that like, wow, that was really well done and executed and interesting, and I don't know that I liked it, but I have thought about it since. Like, it's. It's like a really well-made movie. I, like I mean, I'm, I'm shocked that it. I'm shocked that Tenant didn't get nominated for anything. In the same way, I'm shocked that Borat got as many nominations as it did. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah. Right. It's just an interesting place for the films to be in right now where it seems like the, and you know, these films were all made previous to this year. You know, it's not a reaction to this year. We haven't seen those films yet, but still in terms of a year where everyone is bummed out, everyone's a little bit low key depressed. Like all of these films are, are mining sadness in some way or another, even if it ends up being sad. Nomadland is still about how much it sucks to be poor. I don't want to revel in that right now. Nomadland is not about how much it sucks to be poor. Is it about the integrity of the human spirit, even if you are poor? No, no. It's a. It's about the. It's a. It's. It, I. I would say it is about um, the one woman's dealing with loss and choosing not to dwell in where her life was and and you know just be be active and moving versus stuck and mourning and how much of it is about poor people having to go from job to job in these no in these nomads no very very little that that is that 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 is is backdrop that is that is is against everything i've read about the film yeah watch the movie i know everything i've read about it makes it sound like that's what it's about so i don't want to dwell on that right now it is not it is it is absolutely not it is absolutely not that that is the backdrop that is you find out a lot about like there's there's a whole there's a whole under layer of work or uh, workers or type of workers that I didn't even know existed that found out from that movie. The movie is not about that. The movie is about Frances McDormand and where she is in her life and the choices that she's made and why she's choosing to live the life the way she is. Well, it's not something I'm, I'm excited to watch on a Friday night. But I'm challenged. Like, w- watch it because it is beautiful. It's beautifully shot. It's filmed in parts of the country that I never go to or see as much. And like some of the the locations and stuff like that were, uh, I mean, straight up breathtaking. And some of the subtleties in the um, in the relationships of the film that, you know, like you, you read that's like, oh, it's a homeless woman who lives in a van. It's like, honestly, it is so much more than that. It, 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 it like it, it trust, like put all the preconceived notions aside, go and watch it. It is a modest quiet but like also stunningly beautiful and i thought about it for days afterwards film like it you, is it's you make good. me want to watch it and i didn't and my wife watched it and i didn't really care yeah. she liked it i know it was i went into i i put off watching it for weeks i'm like oh i don't want to see you know like you know because i heard francis mcdormand shits in a bucket and like and all this sort of stuff but like after we finished it, it both both me and my wife were like, "Wow, that was not what I thought it was going to be." And like, we talked about it for a week after afterwards. Like, that's the sign of a good film. Like, now I still I under, think that I understand stuff, why it won the Golden Globe. Like, it is really good. I still think that the basic thing going on here is the same thing that we talked about however many months ago. Is that like there's a certain amount of of magic that goes out of it when you're watching at home? Yeah. Yes. Oh, there is. Yeah. You know, and 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 so that has to do with. You don't know what any of these movies would have felt like to see in a theater. I don't know what it would have felt like to see Mank in a theater. What I do know is that I watched it at home and I had to stop an hour in and then I went back a couple of days later and finished it. Which is not the way to watch anything. I know, but that's, you know, that's where we are. And it, it's funny because nothing is really undercut the idea of sort of the difference really between TV and film or streaming and whatever like this year. Like it really like what does a movie mean anymore now? Is it a two-hour single-episode TV show that's streaming, just like the TV stre- show streaming? Like, this is because the, there's a bigger celebrity, and like, I don't even know. Like, all that stuff is getting flattened out, and I think it makes this seem like we're doing the motions. You know, we're doing the motions of doing the Academy Awards, but 
it's you know it's the weird year yeah at, at the least it also puts a stark relief how much hollywood has given up the middle ground to tv there's oh, sure there's yeah. these nominees and there's the avengers movies and there's nothing in between anymore yep and like yeah Again, I, I go back to the, the Martian only because I was trying to think of a movie that was a Best Picture nominee and like a crowd pleaser and like a blockbuster and also like a Triumph of the Human Spirit film. And I don't know the last time that was. That was many years ago. 13, 14? Yeah, that's like seven years ago. So like, you know, that kind of movie is what I'm looking for most nights because, again, the world we're living in is terrible and sad. And it's like I just don't want to spend two hours being sad watching a, a film. So that's why I end up watching a TV show that's either funny or or whatever, and that's where the ground's been seeded to the streamers where, you know, Coming to America comes out on Amazon and not in theaters. I know it was meant to be coming to theaters, but it didn't. One thing that's really interesting is that, you know, films like these, these sort of small market, you know, I'm going to say art house theater, just for lack of a better term, but they're kind of art house prestige movies. You know, a lot of times these are the movies that are the places where they can have conversations about these kinds of issues that, you know, aren't talked about all the time. But I do feel like over the last year, all we talk about are issues like this yeah. all the time. Yeah. And and so, whereas in it used to be in a movie, you'd have a chance to sort of experience these kinds of things. Let's just say, you know, oh, you'll learn about the Black Panther movement in Chicago in the 60s. But literally, that's like what half the news is about. And, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that, like, it isn't opening a door to another world. It's just more conversation in a fictional form about all the things that are wrong with society. Well, and part and part of it is part of it is that that it's the balance, right? Because yes. like there's there's always those type of movies that are like that are you know critical of the world around us or makes you think about it. But then at the same time, they're the like book smart, you know, which is you know like yep. the night of graduation, high school, you know, kind of coming of age film types, you know. And w- this year, we're just we seem to lack any of the lighthearted films but, or like, and, and the, that you know, wouldn't have really been an Oscar nominated movie. But I think that also there's a larger trend that this is really a culmination of is that all the movies that have to win an award have to deal with a social issue yeah. of some kind or, or be talking about writing some wrong or just making sure people know about something that's really wrong in the world. And there isn't, you know, Apollo 13 Right. Whereas before, like if, if when Philadelphia won, you know, it was shining a light on everything. But we know about that kind of thing now because that's all that, you know, that's so much of what social media and news has become. And again, that's good that we know all those things. But I think I think because of how much of the social conversation, the political conversation has dominated our life, we need to have some fun and we need to have quality movies that are really good and really entertaining at the same time and not just a continuation of the themes that are taken over in social media. And, and, and again, I'm not saying you shouldn't have these conversations, but it feels like that's you know, all the, we have. The, we have no exactly, outlet. And that's all there is. And so it's like, as if like we're all on a, a, a low carb diet and we can just eat chicken breasts that have been steamed constantly and they've been prepared really nicely, but can we just can we eat a pizza that's really good too sometime? Like there's yeah. not yeah. there's a real lack of 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 enjoyment, not even entertainment, enjoyment. It's funny because Connor, you know, your thing is was was talking about the Martian or something like that, you know. And I watch I watch space race stuff constantly because that is the thing that constant that can easily, most easily get me to that place where I cannot think of humans as horrible. It's a bunch of people working together and they accomplish something amazing. 
And it's the last time that we were all on board for something like that. So we watched a ton of that. I watched the right stuff. And I've watched, uh, you know, we watched Apollo 13. I watched From the Earth to the Moon again. I've, I watched The Martian again. Like, I love that shit. And I want more of that. And, and you know, like, like I, I've seen a handful of these movies, you know. I didn't love any of the ones that I saw. I liked Mank a lot, but that's a very specific thing. I don't know. It's it's like it's actually. I mean, looking at the the best pictures, right? I haven't seen the father. I just watched Judas and the Black Messiah was the last one I watched, which I thought was was very very good. It was good, was but it was great. not enjoyable. No, it was enjoyable, but well, it was you know it I was mean, rough. But, like, but yeah, you wouldn't um, watch it again, right? Yeah, good point. Mank, I loved. I haven't seen Minari yet. Nomadland, I talked about already. I loved Promising Young Woman. I thought that was great. Sound of Metal. I I talked on this show back in November about. It. I thought Sound of Metal is is awesome. Like I didn't was, love it. Uh, I thought it was great, and I really enjoyed Trial of Chicago Seven. Like I, I really, 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 really like that. So. I don't think it's the best picture though. No, but I get I, I get why it's there because the history. Exactly. This is your history. There's nothing one. else there. I tell you yeah. what, Trial yeah. of Chicago Seven is the closest you've got to a Hollywood movie in here. Yes. Yep. I, I mean, know why? Because it's got, Hank, it's got what's his, it's got what's his face, movie. the guy who played the Zodiac Killer. He wasn't the Zodiac Killer. No, he wasn't, but who we thought he was going to be. He's the best. <laughs> yes, he is. I can't think of He was on Drew Carey, and, and Lindsay really liked him a lot. I can't think of his name right well, now. And though. Frank Langella is amazing. Did Frank Langella get nominated? He should have no. been. John Carroll Lynch. He's yes, fantastic. John Carroll Lynch. That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He is fantastic. He's yeah. one of those guys when he shows up in anything. I'm like, that guy's great. Yeah. The real question is, I think, because these, these, again, these films are mostly all made prior to the pandemic, is what happens next, next year. Next year is going to be just fucking... Because they're making films are being made, but yeah. not yeah. not to the normal extent. You know, and they're the also being is, held. I'm, there's also films being held back too. I'm going to be watching. Sure. I'm going to be yeah. watching movies, looking for how COVID affected their production. Well, like, be looking in a shot and see. I just, I just know I'll be looking for that. Well, what's really interesting is that I don't like. I like war movies, right? I don't like movies about the current kind of con- conflicts that we're in. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't watch de- middle East desert movies because mm-hmm. they're, you know, three, you don't like three Kings or whatever that was. That is a great movie. So, but also that was, that was actually about the war that took place 10 years before it was made. So it's a little different. Right. Um, but like, I don't know how you're going to get away. Like there's going to be so much content. There's no contextualization about for it. Yes. Yeah. There's going to be so well, much content I, about, about the, about COVID. And I, I don't blame anybody for doing it. But it's well, going to be what good. I'm hopeful. What I'm hopeful for is what we saw, and I, I think we talked about this. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but we talked about this. But like, if you look at 1947, that was the year that It's a Wonderful Life came out, but also Miracle on 34th Street and uh, another kind of lighthearted Christmas movie, right? And then Elf came out in 2003, as yeah. did like Bad Santa, whatever. Like all these lighthearted Christmas movies You're come right. out two years after the horrible thing. So two years after World War II right. and two years after 9/11. But that's so, two years from now. Yeah, right. No, exactly. That's my point. Yeah, right. We got, we got, so like you're looking at, like you're looking at this list going, that's a bummer. Uh, Next year is going to be worse. Although, no, because next year is going to be the stuff that was in pre production before this started. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Then the year after that, like either way, we've got two years before we get out of it. Right. You know, and we have the, we have the, like, even if they were to start all the party stuff at the end of this year. And listen, I don't. I don't want it to sound like oh, I want really happy, fun movies well, or whatever. I think like, the point is that like you need a mix. Yes. Yeah, you need a mix. There's not Three. a mix this year. This mix is all bummers. Yeah. yeah. And you know, like yeah, I there's, said, we, there's we, we, really. I will. I will. I will acknowledge that there's no lighthearted, uplifting, 
you know, kind of optimistic one, you know, like, I don't think that, I don't think lighthearted is the word cause that doesn't usually end up in that category anyway. Right. No. Uh, yeah, you're right. But, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, um, there's I'm no cry for the human optimistic. spirit films. There's no yeah. hidden figures, you know, that kind of thing. Christ. What was the one about the British workers and they strip full Monty? Yeah. Full Monty, full Monty like that yeah. kind of and thing. That, that was about, that was, you know, a low budget, but it was fun and it felt, you felt yeah. good about people. Like, Again, these are all important films, and these are all important stories. And any other year where they're mixed in, that'd be great. But like, again, on a Friday night, I look at the list, I go, I don't. Really, I, just, I do. I, I do acknowledge that on a regular year, not all these movies get nominated. Oh, for sure not. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. But it's also an interesting year. Like you know, who knows what's going to happen because it's all strange. Right. Yeah. You know, like I love the Moonlight. I've never watched it again since, yeah. since I yeah. saw it in the theaters. I keep going back to this idea that, like, it used to be, and this is like in the 70s, you know, you have a movie like The Godfather, and it is a huge critical success. It is a huge, like, popular success. It makes a shit ton of money. You want it, you know, it's, you know, it's it's entertaining. You want to go back and watch it. And every year that we've gotten away from that, like, the awards-type movies, the, the prestige movies have nothing to do with being entertaining or popular. They get smaller and smaller. And, right. And- yeah. I mean, like, you know, Titanic was probably, I don't, you know, I don't think that was a great movie, but it was. Since Lord of the Rings, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good example. Like, it, that's cinema. That's a big, that's a movie. And I can see why. But there's no, ex- I was going to say, there's no excuse other than the stuff that they're holding back. Like, this stuff, a lot of stuff would have been completed before COVID. So. But you know, I, again, there's, there's I go back exist. to the idea that Hollywood has seeded the ground. You know, what, what got yes. held back is the blockbuster end of the spectrum. This is the other end of the spectrum. And yep. there's nothing in between. You know, last year, you, or was it the year before, you had Black Panther nominated for Best Picture mm-hmm. coming from the blockbuster end of the spectrum. But you're not going to get a lot of blockbuster films nominated for Best Picture. So you're really, by giving up the middle ground to the streamers, so having all romantic comedies, all comedies basically coming out in streaming services instead of into your local theater, you're only going to end up with this end of things, which is, again, the bummer end, as I call yeah. it. Yeah. That's reductive of it. You like film. You like films like these, and that's I not love the these point. films. I want to. I want to mix. I want to mix. No, totally. And I think, but you know, this still is related to that. I'm that sure I'll film. watch all these and enjoy seven and eight of them. You know, right. I'm sure I will. You know, like it's the it's the Chinese and Russian cinema thing. Like, you need blockbuster movies that can be translated into other languages, and then the art house movies and that middle adult drama and comedy. And you know those middle just gone, and and I think this is there just this is another effect of that, and it, yeah. it sucks because it was really good for a while, you know, like it was, and I guess that's the trade off for like amazing television that didn't exist before. I'd rather have the films. I'd like a blend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd rather go to the, the movies and watch a comedy. Yeah, there's nothing better than watch. I mean, I can laugh on my couch, but by myself, there's nothing better than watching in a, a, a theater full of people who are all laughing together. Uh-huh. Honestly, I, I can't remember the last good comedy I've seen. Role Models, two thousand eight, in a theater. Yeah, like that know. was to me. And I don't. I know it's not like a great comedy, but it's like the last comedy that I saw in a theater that I loved. I know I laughed pretty good at Bridesmaids. Think about this: all three of us saw Borat together, the first Borat in a theater, yeah. and it was like bedlam in that theater. It was versus. Watching right. it by yourself on the couch, or with your wife or whoever on the couch, and you're both laughing, but it's not the same as the bedlam, the absolute bedlam as that first film in a theater that was packed full of people. Yeah, watching a comedy at home 
a feature film comedy at home, there's a thing where I think you can only laugh for so long by yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't. I feel like I can't make it through an entire movie with the same energy that you have at the beginning and like laughing at it. But when you're surrounded by people who are having fun and it builds that way, it's, it's a different, yeah, you're right. It's a different experience. I mean, that's why sitcoms are a half an hour. They don't make hour long comedy shows yeah. for a reason. Again, I, it's a very strange year. This might be the first year where you really sort of encapsulate what's happening to Hollywood is that you're only getting these prestige movies made other than black widow or, I will. You know, I will say Batman. we're talking about best best picture. That's a thing. But as we get down into the actor stuff, like best best actor, best actress, you know, that's when it really gets interesting because these people do get to do really interesting work in these kinds of. Oh movies. yeah, they're all doing great work. Of course they are. So I think in in that like as I'm looking at the best actor category, that's a good list. That's, that's some strong stuff in that way. Mm-hmm. Really, Daniel Kaluuya got supporting actor. Yeah, I, I mean that we talked. I talked I, when the noms came out. I said that they were both nominated for supporting actor. Which, yeah, which is the question: who was the lead of that best film? Actor, but but my guess is that that's the Chadwick Boseman thing. Was he? I didn't see that movie. I didn't. I can get the sense yeah. that he was the lead from the so, trailer. So my, my sense is that you know that, that Chadwick is the lock for best actor and give the Black Messiah guys a chance at the, in the supporting category. I would. By the way, I'd much rather Gary Oldman win in for this instead of as Winston Churchill. No, God, no. <laughs> he was so miscast, Mank. I don't care. I like. I don't even know the difference. I just like watching him. He was great in the Churchill movie. I didn't like that movie. Okay, but he was great in yes, it. Yes, he was. No, absolutely. I think Lakeith Stanfield was the lead in that movie. I, I don't know who else would be. Well, Sasha Baron Cohen was not the lead in in Trial of Chicago 7. If anybody was, Eddie Redmayne was. But that's even... That film was almost such a perfect ensemble that there wasn't it was it was a total ensemble cast there wasn't a lead yeah theoretically it was red main but not really yeah i don't know it's a a very strange year it's gonna be not that i care really but i think it's gonna be a huge disaster in terms of tv watching Mm -hmm. much like the globes hillbilly was not a good movie by the way but glenn close was amazing who's hosting the oscars this year connor i don't think they announced i don't think they announced it I got, I got to imagine they watch the Globes and they're like, uh, we need to, <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, this is a separate subject, but from a TV perspective, production perspective, like the Emmys did such a great job with it. Yeah. The Globes did the horrible job with it. And it was, it was almost like yeah. no one had watched the Emmys and learned how to make a f- show in this era. It was almost like they swapped. Like the, the, the Emmys were the ones that learned from the Globes as, you know, instead of vice yeah. versa. It was like shockingly poorly produced. Yeah. The Oscars going to be all in person. Like the Grammys. They're not doing any Zoom stuff. All right. They've already announced that. It's all going to be in person. It's going to be at the train station, downtown LA, Union Station. Oh, that's beautiful there. The Grammys were interesting as a production piece. It felt very intimate. It was just all these people in the tables, but it was just the people who were nominated. So it felt very much like almost the the original Oscars, which were on the radio, where they just sort of handed out the awards in like an hour. Right. It felt very much like that. Like, there's just the people there who were nominated were there, no one else. And they might make a really... And Steven Soderbergh's one of the producers of the show. So it might be an interesting sort of intimate, a very un-Hollywood, almost very Hollywood-like affair, where it's just these very fabulous people. Old Hollywood. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a disaster. No one's going to watch it. As I, <laughs> as I scroll down to the bottom of this variety listing, the first article that they recommend me is why Lakeith Stanfield was nominated supporting and not lead actor. I was like, oh, that's perfect. There it is. I'll report that. <laughs> he was he was so good. It's like he had one actor who was like way over, you know, blown and doing the thing as he was supposed to, and then one guy who was just 
subtle as hell. Yeah. Uh, I like it. It's a nice contrast. He's good in everything. He's so he's good. He's a guy who, whenever he shows up in anything, I go, oh, that guy. Like, I'm always very happy so to good. see him. He's got a shit ton of range. Like, he can just be a lot of different things. Well, you know, if you look from him in a, on Atlanta. Yeah. To yeah, exactly. These roles, it's a huge, huge yeah. range. Mm-hmm. He's terrific. He's like yeah. a emerging star. Yeah, definitely. Again, tons of interesting films. I'm excited to watch as many as I can. Now that the nominees are out, I'm going to try to watch as many as I can. But, like, again, I go back to two weeks ago <laughs> on a Friday night where I'm like, which movie are we going to watch? I don't want to feel bad about myself in the world. I'm going to watch Shit's Creek. Yeah. I'll tell you something. When I watched Mank, which I was really looking forward to because I'm a huge David Fincher fan and I totally enjoyed it, I ended up watching Citizen Kane two times. That's what came out of that. It, right. I didn't go back and watch Mank again. I was like, oh, shit, let's just watch Citizen Kane. Over I enjoyed Mank. I can't imagine ever watching it again. Yeah, I agree. I'd honestly, I'd rather read a book about it. I've watched most Fincher films twice, at least. Uh-huh. But I can't imagine watching Mank again. I watched. I'd watch, I mean, watch Zodiac again. Yeah. His last, no, his last, the, the last 10, 12 years, I've loved every one of those movies, other than maybe Benjamin Button. But I've even seen that twice. Yeah. I've seen I've seen most of those at least five times, yeah. and then Fincher's really good. <laughs> yeah, he's so good. He no, he is. And and anybody who's sort of that serious and that precise who can still make a movie that is so entertaining. Yep. I know that people were like, uh, they didn't. People didn't really like Gone Girl all that much. I've watched that three, four, five times. Wow. I love that movie. Oh, that was I good. Love I, all those I remember. Movies. Watching no, I didn't that. dislike that it. I don't think I've seen it just once. Oh, man. I mean, like, the work that God, everybody in that movie is doing. Ben Affleck being a complete stupid doof. You know, I love that movie. I love David Fincher. I just, there's something about the way that he makes movies. I didn't even like Benjamin Button, but I watched it again. I, I well, But you're not going to see one in a theater, maybe ever, because he signed a long-term deal with Netflix. Yeah. Well, if he wants a he wants Oscar nominations, they're going to have to put it in a the theater somewhere. And I live close enough to Boston that I've got a shot. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I watched Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, and I, even I don't understand that. Because that's a fucked up movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, very strange year. It'll be very interesting, Ron, to do our yearly Oscar pool on this one. I know. I was thinking about that the other day. It's going to be like... It's, there's like it's, no... There's nothing to grab onto for... It's a crapshoot. Yeah, it's a crapshoot, yeah. There's yeah. no precedence for, or, or what this Oscar ceremony is going to be like. Yeah. You know, you don't get the normal fair, they're always crap shoots for me because I always get everything wrong because I have no idea. You this don't get the year festivals. Then. You don't get the yeah. all those awards that go through. It's just a very bizarre year. Yeah. I think we just did a version of our show that was like our complaint about these movies and code shows. I think that's what we just did. What do you mean? We bitched about it and how it was... No, we bitched about the state of the movies that are only about one thing. We all said I, I, many times these movies I are know. all great movies. I'll tell movies. you what the saving, the saving grace for this, though, is going to be, is that um, anybody listening to this can get the original recording of the show as an NFT. Um, <laughs> right. Just go to iFamily.com. $10 million. <laughs> yeah. So. $10 million worth of bidding stars. Uh, you know what? The saving grace of this is that somebody out going to go out there and watch one of the other movies that we mentioned. Yeah. Somebody is going to be like, shit, I haven't watched The Martian for a while. I, <laughs> I, I, I think I will watch Gone Girl again. You know what? It's time to go check out Citizen Kane again. That is the saving grace of this show. Yeah. Or oh. somebody's going to go watch Judas and the Black Messiah who didn't before because we yeah. talked about how great those actors were. And that is a worthwhile time to super fucking bummer by the end. I will make one last point <laughs> before we go is that last year's best picture winner was Parasite. Yep. You know, outsider film from South Korea, 
had yeah. a very strong message about income inequality, but did it in a really entertaining way. It was really good. It was really it good. It was really good. And I'm not saying these other Best Picture movies aren't good. But I'm saying is Parasite was super fun. Yeah. I laughed way more in Parasite than I thought I was going to. I put off watching Parasite so long because it looked because all I heard was about the income gap and yeah. all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, this sounds like such a downer. And I, I was shocked at how much fun that movie was. And that's what I'm not getting from the current crop of nominees. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Well, I would say take time, watch Nomadland. I'm not going to say it's fun. But it's definitely – it's not what you think it is. And I'm so going to try to watch as many as I can the best picture enemies before this ceremony. It's a month – it's yeah. like April 25th. We're about a month away. There are eight films nominated. Uh, I don't know if I put the father, though. As always, you two let me know if there's anything I need to watch. I'm good. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll be back probably right before the ceremony. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. Watch. We can only re- yeah, we can only do this. We recorded last month's episode exactly a month ago from today, uh-huh. so we can only do it in thirty day increments. So, so we're <laughs> yeah, actually got to do some shit. But I know that in that time, it's very possible that I will have seen Two Gun. I will have seen Equalizer One and Equalizer <laughs> Two. I I may try to watch Malcolm X again. Hey, hey Josh, watch yeah. Philadelphia. They didn't they didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm going to watch all of St. Elsewhere. <laughs> Ooh, nice. <laughs> deep cut, deep Denzel cut. <laughs> he is prominently featured on the screenshot of that. On oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but I actually watched, I, I remember at one point from Netflix, I got the, I think I watched the first season. He was barely in it. It was a lot more Howie Mandel than there was Denzel Washington, <laughs> which in retrospect, not a great choice. Watch Fences. It was very, very yeah, I will. good. Very, very I good. I will. I think the time that I tried to watch it, I was like, I think it was a Friday night, and I was like, I, I don't have this in me right now. Yeah. Because it's I very want... much like a stage play. Yeah. You know what I want to watch again? I want to watch Drive again. I haven't thought about that movie in ages, but I would watch that movie again. I don't uh, I didn't like that. I already, Oscar I Isaac, like it. good music. I didn't get it. I, oh, I didn't it get so the good. point. You know the thing about Oscar Isaac is that he pops up more often than you realize. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've come across him in other films. I'm like, wait, that's Oscar Isaac. He's the bad guy in in Robin Hood. The Russell Crowe one? Russell Crowe one. Wow, he's like the sheriff. Really? He's the sheriff. He's the prince. Ryan Gosling is on the team in Remember the Titans. Interesting. As is uh-huh. Ethan Suppley and, and that guy from... <laughs> the guy from Saving Private Ryan who had his hearing blown out by the bomb. He's like the lead on the team. And um and the guy who plays uh Avon Barksdale is the other guy. He was team. Prince John and Robin Hood, two thousand ten. Uh, Oscar <laughs> wow. Isaac. Yeah. It was on HBO the other day. I came across it and I was like, Is that Oscar Isaac? And it was. <laughs> Only three years before they inside Lewin Davis. That is one of the things that's really fun about watching movies from the early two thousands is that you see all of the character actors show up in stuff that that you didn't when you didn't know them then. Right. That was basically his first big film. Who? It was Oscar Isaac. He did Robin Hood, then Sucker Punch, then Drive. Sucker Punch, jeez. He was in Sucker Punch? Apparently. He was Blue Jones. I didn't never I never That's What crazy. was that movie that I was just talking about, Connor, where I said everybody is in this movie and Jeremy Strong was in it. What was the movie I just watched? Oh, uh Man, Oscar Isaac is doing everything. By the way, yeah, he did, he because if you look the at this, lead like, on a David Simon miniseries about Yonkers in the late. Well, 70s. that was after he was already a star, though. No, I, I know, know but, but he's he's in Dune. Yeah, 
right? He was in Star Wars. He's doing this metal, the Metal Gear Solid. He's, um, he's leaning into genre. Right. Josh, you were talking about Lincoln. Lincoln. That's the one. Lincoln. 2011. Yeah. There's a billion people who became stars 2012. in 2012, that. yes. That's crazy. 12, I guess. Yeah. I have a very specific memory at some point, like the two trailers that had come out around the same time were the first Avengers movie and the Lincoln trailer. And everyone was talking about the, the Avengers. And I was like, I would see Lincoln over that any day. <laughs> I did a Lincoln and Skyfall double feature day. I saw Lincoln, had lunch, and saw Skyfall. It was a terrific day. It was a good day. Yeah. Show Me a Hero was so good. I'm just going to get back to it, close it out. Again, like what would I do now for a double feature? I, you know, yeah. it's tough. You'd do it at home, and then yeah. you'd be like, shit, I got a vacuum. Got to take a nap because I'm old. <laughs> All right, so that was our media explode for March where we hotly debated the state of the movies. You can uh, go to ifanboy.com. There'll be a post for this show. You can talk about the movies. You can write us at contact.ifanboy.com. We will take email questions on the larger media world. You can always listen to our weekly Pick League show and Josh and I talk about the week's comics. You can listen to all of our various bonus content that was unlocked by the patrons or patreon.com slash ifanboy. You can listen to Ron on All About Android. That's where you can find all of us on a monthly yeah. basis. And uh, we'll be back next month right before the Oscars. And until then, I'm Connor. I'm Ron. And I'm Josh. Thank you. And we're sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we love to go to